We've been talking about the subject of prayer this whole month of March, and we looked in the very first week that uh, I wanted to try to impress upon you how awesome of a God that we serve. And we are allowed, we are able to approach that awesome, powerful God. So do you ever sit there and just wonder as you're in your lazy boy chair, uh, do you ever sit back and just wonder how powerful and how mighty God really is? I mean, just look at your body, for example, and how intricate it is and how uh, complicated it is. God made that. Do you ever look out in a clear night and see the stars and Sometimes you can see some of the planets uh, at certain times of the year. Did you ever look out there and say, wow, God must be an awesome God. He, he created that. He made that. And so we looked at the awesomeness, if that's a word, uh, the awesomeness of God. Now, we also looked that same week at the depravity of man, that we are all sinful uh, creatures and that we have done things that went against God but yet God still allows us as Christians to talk and to communicate to him. And then last week we looked at the model prayer in Luke chapter 11. And we kind of broke down that model prayer so that Jesus can teach us exactly how we are to pray. And I think sometimes we, we get into a rut. Sometimes we have problems praying. We don't know exactly what or, or how to pray. So we should go back to that model prayer to see exactly how we are to pray. And so today I want to talk about prayer as being the ultimate communication. The ultimate communication between us and God. The first thing I want to see is that prayer itself, the, the nature of prayer itself. And first of all, I want you to, to realize, and, and we looked at this last week, that prayer must be viewed as a relationship uh, between a child and a father. Remember there in the model prayer in Luke chapter 11 and verse number 2, remember how Jesus started that prayer? Our Father who art in heaven. I've always said that God has always wanted to have an intimate relationship with his children. God wants you to communicate to you, uh, to him. He wants to communicate to you. This is a relationship that we are to have with God. And so Jesus says, our father. And so God wants to have that communication with you. Again, I don't know how your relationship was with your father, but could you ever imagine not talking to dad? My dad's been gone now for 20 years. 7, 28 years, something like that. But we always had a pretty close relationship. He taught me a lot of things. And so I can never imagine not being able to call Dad or just simply ask him a question. He was always available for us kids. And that's the way God is with us. God is always available for his kids, for us. He wants to have that relationship. Go back to Psalm chapter 141 with me, if you will. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 141, and let's look at verse number 2 this morning. Psalm 141, and verse number 2. We can see that prayer <clears throat> is pleasing to God. 
God wants us to pray to him. It, it, it pleases him. It makes him happy. Look what the writer of this psalm says in chapter 141 and verse 2. He says, Let my prayer be said before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Remember back in the Old Testament in the tabernacle and also in the temple, they had to have incense burning nonstop. It was a perpetual burning. And when you go to Revelation, Revelation compares our prayer to that incense that was burning. And so that incense made God happy because they were doing what he asked them to do. And so it's the same way with us today. Prayer, when we pray to God, it makes him happy because that's what he wants. He wants that relationship with you and I, his children. And so prayer is also... A two-way communication. Did you ever think about that? We talk about prayer just being um, us talking to God. But I like what uh, the word is used in 1 John chapter 1. And I believe uh, Jeff used this word uh, in his uh, meditation this morning. 1 John chapter 1 <clears throat> in verse number 3. 1 John chapter 1 in verse number 3. The Apostle John says this, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have, and this is the word, fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And so God wants to have fellowship with you and I, that fellowship is a two-way street. It said, John says, we have fellowship with God and with his son, Jesus. So just think about that. When you pray to God, there is an audience there. It's Jesus. It's God. I think it was last year or two years ago uh, at, our, at our kids' camp down at Ludlow Falls, uh, every year they have a certain theme that they use, and they try to get the classes and the sermons based on that certain theme. And I think it was last year, the theme was the audience of one, and that's God. Everything that we do when we worship God, when we sing songs, when we pray, when we um, read scripture, and on and on and on, we are uh, doing that for the purpose of serving God. That's why we do it. We don't sing songs necessarily to make us look good or because I can sing better than she can sing or anything like that. We sing for the audience of one, for God to listen. And so prayer is the same way. When we pray to God, it is that fellowship, it's that two-way communication that God wants to have with his children. And so that's prayer. And so my second point this morning is that there are some crucial, vital parts that are necessary if you want to have a successful prayer. And so maybe you can think back in your past. Maybe you can think back of maybe a problem that you had and you went to God about it and you didn't seem like God answered your prayer. It didn't seem like God heard your prayer. Well, there are some things that you and I have to do to prepare ourselves 
for us talking to God. And so there's, I don't know, five or six things I would like to point out this morning of some prerequisites, if you will, of what we need to do in order for us to have a successful prayer life. And I think the first one is important. We need to pray in faith. We need to pray in faith. It always blows my mind to read Hebrews chapter 11 when the writer of Hebrews talks about Abraham and the kind of faith that he had. Remember that story? God told Abraham to go sacrifice his son, and Abraham packed up his things, and he went. He went for three days to a place called Mount Moriah to go sacrifice and kill his son. And the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 basically said that Abraham knew that if he killed his son, that God would raise him up from the dead. Because God promised Abraham through that boy that the whole world would be blessed, that, that Abraham would be blessed. So Abraham knew that if he took that knife that he had held up in the air, about ready to kill his son, he knew that if he was to kill him, that God would raise him back to life. Is your faith like that? I don't know if mine's there. But that's the kind of prayer life we need to have. We need to pray in faith, knowing that God is going to answer our prayer. Now again, the answer might be no. The answer might be not now, it might be later. But we have to pray in faith. James chapter 1 James chapter 1, turn there with me if you will. James chapter 1 and verse number 6 and also verse number 7. I'm sure these are verses that are familiar to you. <clears throat> but James chapter 1 and verse number 6. Let's go back and read verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So James tells us, listen, if you lack wisdom, and I don't know about you, but that probably would be me and most of us here, if you lack wisdom, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go and ask God for it. But James says you need to ask in faith without doubting. And so when you pray to God, you need to pray with the confidence that God is going to answer your prayer. Now again, it might not be to your liking. It might be no. God says are you kidding me right now? You just asked for that? I don't think so. You can't handle that. But we are to ask in faith, having no doubting. That's the confidence of our Father in heaven that we can go to him and pray, and he will answer us. Another prerequisite for us having a successful prayer is that we must pray with a pure heart. As I kind of mentioned that this morning in our Sunday school class, if I prayed to God, and I got something going on in my life, how in the world would I expect God to answer me? 
If I have an evil heart, if I have sin that is unrepented of, and I continue with that unrepented sin, but I still think I can go to God and ask him for things, what in the world am I thinking that I'm doing? We have to go to God with a pure heart. God wants us to do that, but we have to do it with a pure, clean heart. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 12. <clears throat> this is actually a quote from the Old Testament from the book of Psalm. Peter is quoting this. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You want God to listen to your prayer? You have to make sure you have a pure heart. You can't have a heart of evil. You can't have a, a heart that you are trying to, to deceive or try to, to play tricks on God or someone else. You can't have a deceiving heart and expect God to listen to you. The Bible tells us here that God's face is turned against those people who are evil. And so if I want to pray, I have to pray in faith, first of all. And then I need to pray with a pure heart. James chapter 4, he mentions some things here I think we ought to consider. James chapter 4, he mentions three things that I could, that I could pick out here. Uh, when it comes to our prayer life that we really, really ought to take a look at. James chapter 4, and we can see the first one is in verse number 2. James chapter 4 and verse number 2. James says this, You lust and you do not have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you do not, be, uh, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. So there are some things there that James tells us if we want to have a successful prayer life, we need to do these or not do these. The first one is, James says in verse 2, you have a wrong desire. He uses the word lust there in verse number 2. That's a wrong desire. If you go to God with a wrong desire, you're wasting your time. God wants you to have a, a right desire, a, a righteous life, if you really want to have that relationship that he wants from you. And so we, we need to have a right desire. He also says there in verse number 2, that we do not have because we do not ask. That sounds kind of silly, doesn't it? But we do that, don't we? We pout and we whine and we cry. Oh, why is this happening? Or why, why is this? Why can't I do this or do that? Did you ever have, pray about it? Huh, never thought about that. I mean, I tell you, I said this before, but we ought to pray first. And we do the opposite. We pray last. If there's a big decision that you're about to make, you need to pray to God about it. I'm about to buy this house. It's $350,000. It's going to be close in our budget for the next 30 years. I wonder what I should do. You should pray about it. I'm about ready to buy this car. The cars cost more than houses do. This car I'm about ready to buy is 
and it's going to be tight for four or five years. I wonder what I should do. Did you ever think about praying about it? I like this little girl. She's kind of cute. I want to put this gold thing on her finger. We've been together for a couple of years, but I'm, I'm kind of nervous about it. I wonder what I should do. Did you pray about it? We do that last, don't we? We get all worked up, and we try to think things out, and we try to do things on our own, and all we do is make it worse. We need to pray to God first. James says you don't have it because you didn't even ask for it. And then the third thing he says in verse number three is that we have wrong motives. You ask, and you don't receive it because you ask it in a wrong manner. In other words, you are trying to do it so that you can spend it on your pleasures. You're thinking more about me, 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 instead of God, God, God. In fact, if you look at those first four or five verses there in uh, James chapter 4, I underlined every time that he uses the word you. It's six or eight times. We think about number one too much. We need to think about other people and think about God. But James says, you ask, but God's not going to give it to you because you're asking for the wrong reason. Oh, God, I would love to have a million dollars. Oh, if I could just win the lottery one time. God says, you can't handle that. You don't need that. I read the other day about the lottery. The people that win the lottery, within three years, they're broke. What? $10 million, and all of a sudden, where did it go? You ask, but you ask for the wrong reasons. And God's not going to allow that to happen. And so James tells us that if we have a wrong desire, if we have the wrong motives, or if we ask uh, for, with the wrong objective, God is not going to answer that prayer the way that we think that he should. We also need to pray, number four, we need to pray with persistence. Remember the... Um, the parable that Jesus told, it's in Luke chapter 18. He told about a widow who, um, she was having some problems, and she went to a judge to basically get a restraining order against her neighbor, and the judge said no. So she went back several times, and finally that judge gave her what she asked because she kept asking for that question. And Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, the purpose as to why he told that parable. And listen to what he says here. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart. The whole idea of this parable that Jesus told us about was so that he can teach us how our prayer life needs to be. We need to be persistent. I think God wants to really know if you're serious about it before he gives it to you. Maybe Brent's asking this, but maybe he doesn't really need it. Maybe he doesn't really want it. And so if we have something that's really laying heavy on our heart, there's nothing wrong with us going to God over and over and over and over again, praying for God to take care of that situation. Jesus did it, didn't he? In the Garden of Gethsemane, the day that he was going to be betrayed, he took two of his apostles with him. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and it says for an hour he prayed. And when he came back, those two disciples were asleep. 
He kind of said something to them. And then the next verse says, Jesus went back praying the same words. It was heavy on Jesus' mind, wasn't it? Jesus said, God, if it be your will, take this cup from me. Jesus prayed the same thing two times. There's nothing wrong with us being persistent in our prayer life. There's nothing wrong with us praying for the same thing several times. It shows to God that we, we really care about that subject. We really have a concern about that subject. And that's what God wants us to, to do. Two more things. Number one, we are to pray with a repentant heart. A humble heart, if you will. And so if we have something in our life that is separating us from God, if there is a sin that we have that we have not yet repented of, again, how can we expect God to answer our prayer if we are not doing his will? And so if there is something like that that we want to pray about, we know that God will forgive us. He says that in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 9, He is willing and just to forgive us of our sins. But we do have to go to Him with a humble, contrite heart. That's why oftentimes in the Bible you see men that would fall on their face, that would fall on their uh, face with their hands extended, showing that they had a humble heart. They didn't deserve uh, to, to have what they had. And so God wants us to, to go to him with a humble heart. And so if we do have sin that we need to repent of, we can do that as Christians. And then the last one, we have to pray with obedience. In 1 John chapter 3, in verse number 22, 1 John chapter 3, in verse number 22, <clears throat> the Apostle John again says this, And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Again, do you want to have a relationship that God wants to have? then you need to be obedient to him. John says we ask and we receive because we are obedient to God's uh, plan, what God wants us to do. And so again, if that's true, the opposite is true. If I am not obedient to God, I am not going to receive anything. And so my question to you today is, are, have you been obedient to God? That song that we sang earlier, I thought was pretty neat, the words to that. If you were to die tonight, would you be right with God? Now again, I think that's a question we ought to ask ourselves from time to time. If I was to die today, where would I go? And if that answer isn't heaven, we need to make some changes, don't we? We're not being obedient to what God wants us to do. We're not living our life right. Again, God wants that relationship. God wants that, that close connection that, he, that you can have with him, that we have to live the life. And so if you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you haven't done what the Bible said for you to do, then I pray, I plead with you to do that. And maybe you'll ask the question, maybe you are asking the question, what, what do I need to do to become a Christian? 
Because you'll hear so many things in the world today, won't you? They'll tell you all you have to do is pray through. They'll tell you all you have to do is say the sinner's prayer. They'll tell you all you have to do is just ask Jesus to come into your heart. But the sad thing is, none of those are in the Bible. Acts chapter 2, when Peter was preaching the very first gospel sermon, he told those individuals that they crucified Jesus Christ. And your sins and my sins put him on the cross as well. And so it seems like that they were really moved, and they asked Peter, what shall we do? And what Peter told them is going to be extremely important because we are to do the same thing. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That gift can be yours today. It's already been bought and paid for. Jesus bought it. Jesus paid for it. All we need to do is to be obedient.